yeah. So this is pretty much going to be, uh, uh, like I was saying, Melissa is a Oxygen Advantage uh, Master Instructor. So uh, we're just going to pick our brains and talk about the, the breathing, uh, how it applies in the fighting outside the cage, and stuff like that. Cool. Yeah, for sure. Thanks for having me. I mean, I think this is going to be fun. Um, just let me give a little bit of insight of what I do and who I am. So people that don't know me, of course, your audience in there. So I'm a sports performance specialist. I, I have a degree in bachelor's in science and sports science. And I specialize working with combat athletes with MMA fighters. So yeah, that's kind of it. I mean, I love sports, but of course, I'm into combat sports because I work on a daily basis with fighters. So yeah, that's pretty much it. That's great. That's great, Melissa. I mean, I, uh, <clears throat> I mean, I, I see what you do, how you work with fighters. And I think that's great. And uh, uh, with me, it's just, uh, I've been fighting for 14 years. And uh, I just, uh, I try to find ways to get better at everything. And I think uh, when I met Patrick about uh, three years ago, he uh, taught me a lot about breathing, and uh, I transformed it into uh, my warm-ups, my uh, yeah. part of my camp, and uh, you know it's, it's been helping me tremendously. And I feel like uh, you helping other athletes is already a big plus. I mean, I, I tell all my training partners about the breathing, but I think what we're doing right now with this live video, we could help many other people. Yeah, of course. I mean, it, it doesn't apply just for fighters. It applies for everyone, you know. It doesn't matter the background or which type of sport or activity you do on a daily basis. It's going to be helpful for you and for your health and the way that you perform. But today, I think we're going to focus in pre-fight breeding protocols and how it helps fighters to really get into that zone and get a better performance in the octagon, right? That's correct. That's correct. I think... Uh, uh, when we step in a cage, we want to be alert. We want to be focused. Uh, you just want to be in a zone, like you said. And uh, I yep. think uh, the auction advantage way puts you in that mindset, puts you in that, uh, you know, in in that state of mind, and it helps a lot. Yeah, for sure. So uh, before we get into it, I think it's really important to uh, focus on the pillars of breathing or the fundamentals of breathing. Let's say we have three dimensions of breathing, which is the biomechanics, the biochemistry of breathing, how well we tolerate CO2 and the pace of breathing, like how is our respiratory rate in terms of how much volume of air we're breathing. So it's really important to have in mind those three pillars or three fundamentals of breathing before we get into it and before we dive in into a little bit of more detail of how we can apply or uh, which type of um, you know benefits we can have as an athlete or as a fighter. I agree with you. I agree with you 100% on that. And... Uh... I guess the two pillars would be the, the I would say the functional breathing pattern, right? And mm -hmm. then the, the stimulation of high altitude. Sure. Right, right. So uh, how, how do you want to touch up on those? Do you want me to just tell you like how I do So it first we can probably we can discuss like how important is the tolerance of CO2? Because we have this idea that CO2 is just a waste gas 
So people don't really understand the role of CO2 in the body and how does it work and how does it affect your breathing and your performance. So uh, first of all, CO2 is just not a waste gas. It's a catalyst to release oxygen into your muscles and into your cells. So we have this thing called Bohr effect where you have a lot of concentration of CO2 and hemoglobin releases O2 when there's CO2 present. So it's really important for us to work, whether you're a high-level athlete or not, to work on that tolerance of CO2, right? Yep, yep, I, yep, okay. yep, I agree, I agree. And um, do you agree that we would start with the bolt score first? Just, yeah, just, sure. Just, just, just to measure, to see... Uh, where they at? I know my ball score wasn't <laughs> wasn't the greatest when Patrick uh, did my ball score. I was in like probably 15s or 16s. Okay. But I think that's a very good uh, starting way of starting point. Exactly. All right. Yeah. yeah. And um, let's say for those who don't know what a ball score is, is um, it's a score where we can measure where you at so we can train on certain um, exercises or methods to implement into your training. So um, that score, you, you measure that first thing in the morning when you wake up, it's preferably, and as we talked previously, like it's better for you not to have something in your stomach in a fasted state. So you wake up and you put your timer in, your inhale and then exhale slowly through your nose, you pitch your nose, and then you put the timer. So the first signal that you have for you to breathe or, or that you know that you the want urgency. to breathe, you stop the timer. So it's not how long you can hold it, but the first signal that you need to breathe. And then you stop it, and then you have that bolt score. And that score helps us as an instructors uh, to really know where you at and what type of exercises you can implement. But as my personal experiences with fighters, you guys can push way beyond <laughs> than you know than other you know other activities. So, for example, I have fighters that I have worked with. They have low bolt score. But surprisingly, they can really hold a little bit more in terms of restriction because you guys have like this, you know, that tough mindset of pushing hard all the time. So that's, um, what's your bolt score, Ivan? I think Our you have root, my bolt score when I started was 16. But right now, during the camp, it's 40s, 50s, 60s. So it goes yeah, higher. For sure. So that's really helpful. And then we can implement another score, which is the MBT. So the it's that one is your maximal breath list test. That one is how long you can hold your breath and then you count how many paces you can do. So those two are correlated and really helpful in terms to really determine what type of program we can do with fighters. Yeah, and, 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 I, and I agree with you, like, uh, with uh, testing a bolt score or any breath work doing our empty stomach is very beneficial because uh, yeah, when we eat our digestive starts working and uh, uh, I cannot get into the details of the names what's going on with your body but uh, pretty much when you eat your body just focusing on breaking down what you just ate exactly. and when you're doing a bolt score sometimes it could throw you off and you could get a lower score because you're not optimally there. So uh, 
doing it on an empty stomach. I, I agree with you on that one. And then, <clears throat> like you were mentioning, some fighters have a, a b lower ball score, but they can push it through, you said? Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, it's, it's kind of funny because I've seen fighters having like this low ball score. However, they can really manage to push in certain exercises, let's call in the high altitude ones where we stimulate high altitude, they can push. So um, it's kind of like, it's not like, you know, like you have a bolt score and then that means that you are not going to be able to push hard in terms of breathing restriction. So it really depends on each athlete. Each athlete, it's very different. And with combat sports, the thing is that uh, you guys have this problem sometimes with your sinus because you're yeah, symptom. I have, yeah, exactly. I have because you receive high volume of punches in the face. So it's pretty normal to have deviated septum or a problem with your nose or even with your throat and have a little bit of bronchoconstriction in terms that probably a lot of fighters, and I've seen this, a lot of fighters breathe through the mouth. So they have inflamed airways and they are more prone to have asthma. Yep. Yep. And, uh, now with the, with with your fighters, do you uh, do you uh, implement the tape in the mouth during the camp, or it's some of them just they don't want to do it, or they just they don't like the tape in the mouth? <laughs> <laughs> I know it's it's kind of funny. I mean, some guys are like, uh, "What's that for?" It's kind of weird, but I mean, with fighters, you can probably implement so many weird stuff. Let's say because you guys are so into it and are passionate about the sports and whatever makes you better in terms of performance you are willing to try it but it depends the fighter you know i i don't do that with every fighter depending yep, yep. on where they at if i see they have problems breathing nasally then i do that especially when they're training or while sleeping because a lot of fighters breathe through their mouth while they are sleeping and this like because my friends would tell me like okay well how do you know if I'm uh, sleeping with my mouth mm -hmm. and there's like simple stuff like we have in our books just to dry if you wake up with a dry throat, uh, dry mouth, it's yeah. the first sign of you doing a mouth breathing, and uh, I'm really uh, not just with my friends but with my with my own kids if I see their mouth open, I'll shut it up if uh, you will uh, tape it. Yeah, I will. <laughs> I will sometimes take bigger, but yeah, yeah I'm, I'm really, uh, like if, if my kids are actually, uh, doing a homework, mm -hmm. I'll mm -hmm. watch them. If they open their mouth, it, it gives me a sign. It tells me that my kids are not in a moment. They're not in a present moment focused on the homework. So I'll tell them, Hey, close your mouth. My youngest daughter is really good. My older one, she's, she's getting there, but these are the little things I watch. Even during a sparring, like when I'm sparring yep. with a with a fighter, I'll I'll look at their chest, and if exactly. I see a, if I see a sign of chest going up and down, mm -hmm. I already know I have them in my pocket. Like if I could push the pace a little bit more, mm -hmm. I could stress them up a little bit more. Yeah, going to get tired. That that's a great sign, and that's a great point to mention. Uh, that's a great sign of lack of focus. Because, you know, when the fighter has their mouth open, probably they're wondering what I'm going to do next. Or probably that's a sign of fatigue or I'm tired. I'm not focused. Yep. So that's a sign if the fighter is focused or not. 
as you said, the example with your daughter, when she's doing her homework, probably she's wandering off other stuff. You know? Yeah, yep, yeah. Thinking yes. about playing on an iPad or eating a food or something. But exactly. it's, uh, it's like, you know, the oxygen advantage way. Yeah, I mean, I'm happy I, I'm using it during the fight, but I'm also very happy that I could bring it outside of the octagon, outside of fight world and just implement in a real daily life where I could just tell my kids, hey, don't open your mouth. Or uh, I try to give my mother advice, but she's <laughs> she's hard to listen to. But, uh, <laughs> but, you know, these are the little things. And I feel like, like you said, if your mouth is open, you're not focused. That just, mm -hmm. that's because mouth brain is really bad. And uh, your mouth is shut, you breathe through your nose, you're fully focused and fully concentrated. And uh, exactly, I so yeah. the, some of the benefits is like it, it really helps your circulation, oxygen delivery to your muscles and your cells. Um, it really helps with bronchoconstriction, as I said before, with fighters or even whatever you are doing. Uh, just not to keep your mouth open because it's going to create inflammation in your airways. So it can create a lot of impact if you're breathing through your mouth. So the mouth is to chew and to eat and the nose is to breathe, right? I absolutely agree with you. Exactly. So it can really help you improve your sleep, your focus, your performance. And especially with, with athletes, it helps to create like this great adaptation in terms of glycolysis, aerobic capacity, anaerobic power, even especially with fighters when they come out of fight, if they come out with a lot of injuries after that fight, it is really helpful to implement certain exercises because it helps to maintain the previous adaptations that we had during fight camp or even previously. So it helps to maintain your fitness level and the adaptations that you worked before that fight. So you, if you come out really injured of that fight, it is, I would say it's imperative to implement those exercises. And we can even stimulate high altitude without living at a, at a high altitude level, which is great because a lot of fighters that I have worked with, they fight out of places like Mexico City where it's Ooh, like, high altitude. yeah, it's crazy. Yeah. So I've seen a lot of improvements in that, in that terms, you know, and even with assessments and battery tests that we do in terms of strength and conditioning, um, I've seen improved repeated sprint ability, you know, that you can keep on going with the same power output over and over again without gassing out. You know that a lot of that, fighters yeah. that yeah, come yeah. in, it's like, oh, he gassed out, he's out of cardio and those kind of things. But it, I think it, it is really helpful. No, it's, it's very, very helpful because, uh, like you said, we could stimulate the high altitude. Uh, and uh, if people are listening to us, they don't believe it. They could just wear the oximeter on their yeah. finger. And we have a few basic exercises where you take a in through your nose, out through your nose, and you just do the walking. And you could literally see the SpO2 level drops because mm -hmm. uh, naturally we're what, 97, 98, right? That, that's yeah, the, our natural probably. Level. That's like the regular level. And then once you hit the 90s or 89s, it's it's like you said, it's like stimulating high altitude because once you hit the 90s, I think you're in 3,000 or 4,000 elevation. And then when you go to 80, 85, it just gets higher and higher. So exactly, I mean, it, it benefits it benefits a lot. 
Uh, now, with you, with your fighters, let's say they're fighting in a high altitude. Do mm -hmm. you? Uh, how would I say this? Do you? Uh, we will, Marce. I've seen a couple of comments. Sorry. We will save the life and show that. love to our, your Armenian people. Oh. <laughs> Thank you. Because <laughs> I've seen a couple of comments. <laughs> yeah, but like going back to your fighters. So if they're fighting in Mexico City, the altitude is really high. Yeah. Do you do the the high altitude uh, oxygen advantage training like before practice so they could get to that level, or they just maybe do once a week? Or no. Yeah. So in terms of strength and conditioning, I implement uh, oxygen advantage within the programming. So depending on the on the phase that we're at with a fighter, we have uh, GPP, which is a general prep phase, and then we have general specific, and then we have fight camp. So depending where we at is the type of exercises that I try to use. But I don't do that like just one day before, you know, because we haven't created any adaptation. So it's going to be a stressor instead of creating a good adaptation. So I, I, do, I do implement that during general prep. If we need to create more aerobic capacity development. Then I focus on certain exercises, um, a little bit of high altitude training, not that much. I will, that, I will apply that on general spe specific phase a lot of um nose breathing restrictions and those kind of exercises and when when it comes to flight camp i do implement a lot of restrictions we push hard on that because we're trying to be on you know on peak level and tipped yeah. up shape in order to fight and we start implementing pre-fight breathing protocols in order for the fighter to be ready you know to start like really getting used to that mind state mm -hmm. and really focus and get into that zone before the fight. I like that. It's, that's, that's really important. And uh, I really, uh, I mean, I, I preach the oxygen advantage way and I, and I really, I, I think it's a, it's a good yeah, way. And I think to, you uh, have a lot of experience with it because I, I love to hear your point of view as a fighter, as a professional fighter, um, how is how it has helped you in terms of like before the have you seen that difference without without doing it and then implemented it like how does it feel does it feel better you feel way more focused and ready to fight yeah yeah so like before i met patrick before i got introduced to action advantage uh i would just just normal training going crazy like you know how it is during a camp we'll, i know we'll do anything to get the best best shape ever for sure <laughs> but uh it was weird i would i would have some fights where mm -hmm. i was just in a zone and then the next fight i wasn't in a zone and then when i met patrick and <clears throat> i talked to him and i told him all this stuff that i was dealing with he said uh i'm not breathing properly mm -hmm. and i'm not being in a zone so uh after the first class in Santa Monica, I took with him. I started implementing that. He, he sent me some actual uh, uh, pre-fight uh, warm-up. Okay. What to do. And I started implementing those. And it's just the basic ones, just the five breath holds. Okay. The basic so, one. Oh, yeah. Basic one is start five breath holds with, you know, just 
the first one was 30 seconds, the second one, 40 seconds. And then I just moved up, moved up. But I, what I realized on those breath holds, it would put me in the center line. I would be focused completely there. So I did, I do like 10, 15 breath holds. Mm -hmm. uh, I also, this is like all my workouts. I like, if it's conditioning workouts and I'm in a camp, my mouth is tape. Okay. I'll go my mouth tape. I'll be on my bike uh, going 300, 200 watts. Mm -hmm. And it's, it's pretty hard. I could keep up like that for a good 30 minutes. If I could do that for 30 minutes, I'm in a great shape. And yeah. And also when I'm grappling. <laughs> Definitely. When I'm grappling, I tape my mouth. I know some people look at me like I'm some weirdo, but it's actually helping me a lot. It happens. I get it. <laughs> Yeah, so lots of fighters are like, are you trying to kill me or something? Probably I'm going to pass out if I hold my breath like too long. And I'm like, no, don't worry. Don't worry. And, and, and it's I think with me, when I get into something, I get really, really deep. Like, that's why the mouth tape, uh, the mouth tape during the exercise. And then why we do breath holds pre-fight is to... Uh, uh, the to activate the spleen, right? That the exactly. Our, the spleen is on our left side, and I'm sorry, I'm not too good with the terms. Like, don't listen. worry, it's fine. <laughs> I just want to give a straight shot. So, when you do the breath holds, because uh, your spleen holds, uh, it's like a blood bank, so it holds exactly. A lot of and that's how a lot of people ask about like EPO. We know that EPO <laughs> in terms of doping, we know like in cycling and everything. So um, it really helps, as you said, it bends your spleen with the breath holes and it helps to create more oxygen within your bloodstream. And it so, sends all the EPO, like all exactly. that red blood cells. And the, what it does, I know, I know people listen to this like, what do you mean? Like, what it does, it puts you in a very focused state mind. Mm -hmm. And the more you do it, the more you'll feel that. So, uh, exactly. uh, you know, those are the one benefit I, I, I see. But. But even outside the cage, like I said, just watching my friends. Even when I teach, like every time I teach in my in my studio, I uh, I watch my students. Like if I see them open their mouth, I will be like, I have very hard on them when they open their mouth. I'm like, listen, close your mouth, take a nice inhale through your nose, and relax. And again, with fighting with MMA you're not always going to close your mouth. Of course not. We wrestle, we do exactly. jiu kickboxing. It, it has so many effects. But what I'm asking for a fighter to try to do is to keep it at least 70% close. The 30%, you could open it, get the air. But it's like when I tell the students, I'm like, if you watch two black belts grapple, they're not grappling. Yeah. They're very... Calm, they're thinking calm, their mouth is shut, and they're in a zone. And one grappler comes in my mind that I could bring is Cron Gracie. If you mm -hmm. watch Cron Gracie, his mouth is completely shut. He's exactly. Just, he's grappling, he's in the moment. And I think us fighters, if listen, if you're in a fight camp, you're doing all the diets, you, you're eating all the food, you're not touching your pizza or whatever you don't want to touch. But, but, but you should breathing. also tape your mouth. <laughs> tape your mouth when you're sleeping. 
do the nose breathing and I guarantee you it will it will help them tremendously. Yeah, of course. And I get this question a lot from fighters like, do I need to keep my mouth closed 100% of the time? I'm like, no, MMA is a high <laughs> intermittent intensity sport. So of course not, it's not going to be 100%. But it can be if it's not maximal intensity, then keep it nasal breathing. If you can push hard under that threshold without opening your mouth, then we're good. If not, then we're gonna start building up from that and see how we can improve in terms to get into that level. Exactly. Right? And, and I did a little research, I don't, you could correct me if I'm wrong. They said if you breathe only through your nose, you're burning fat. As Soon as you open up your mouth, you start burning the glucose yeah, exactly. So yeah, every molecule or let's say of a carbohydrate, it has six carbons. So the way that you breathe, it really impacts your weight. So that that's why a lot of people call CO2 a waste gas because we're breathing out certain waste, right? And it's those carbons that we're breathing out. That's the way that we lose weight you know, scientifically. Yeah. So <laughs> a lot of people think it's sweat and, or, and other stuff. No, that's a way of detox, detoxifying your body. But in terms of, of losing weight, of course, it's going to be a waste gas. It's going to be carbon dioxide. Yes, yes, yes. And uh, one more thing. So another way, I, I guess, to explain the average person why nose breathing is better than mouth breathing it's like, let's, let's uh, compare it to water. You have alkaline water, right? And then you mm -hmm. have a fluoride water. So breathing through the mouth is like drinking the fluoride water. Yeah. <laughs> and then breathing through your nose is like drinking a alkaline water. It's clean. So, and, and through the nose, it's, it's, it filterizes the air and you get the cleaner air. But I feel yeah. like with the mouth, you Correct. just get every little particles all that bad stuff just goes through your mouth and you just breathe in so and and and, and for some reason it pu it puts you in a panic mode so if you start doing a lot of hyperventilation yeah, hyperventilation is, is, is easy to hyperventilate rather than if you breathe with your nose it'll be harder to hyperventilate yeah it's definitely harder because the nose creates like 50 percent of resistance in terms of breathing so I think we have a question. I mean, if you guys have any questions, questions please let yeah. us know. We will be happy to answer. He said, what about excelling through mouth? So I'll let you go. <laughs> I, I feel like excelling a lot. Like when you do breath holds for a long period of time, excelling all out is really good. And, and I done research that excelling longer slows your heart rate down. Mm -hmm. Yeah, for sure. Um, but, so when you inhale... It, it brings up a sympathetic um, reaction. So when you exhale down, yep. it activates a parasympathetic reaction. So it really depends on what you mean in terms of exhaling through the mouth. There could be certain times where you can do that. You know, if you're probably doing cage wrestling and if it's too much for you or a lot of striking combinations, high intensity striking combinations, then probably if you exhale through your mouth because that's your max level of your intensity, then fine, but keep it on your diaphragm, you know? Not vertical, but horizontally. It means that you don't do this, you know? Yeah. 
but you do it from your diaphragm. <sighs> exactly. Yeah. That is perfect. I mean, it, it, it depends on the intensity level you are working with. Yeah, yeah. And uh, when you said uh, breathe out, let's say we're resting against the cage, like kind of like a rest, right? Like kind of like why, why you're defending or whatever you're doing against the cage, you breathe out, you kind of get that air out and then... Yeah then boom back into exactly it. exactly and then you can work on that and as i said every fighter it's kind of different and handles every situation in a different way mm -hmm. but it is kind of helpful to really focus on that because that's going to help you to develop your game your fight game in a better way so it's going to help you to take better decisions not not just in terms of biochemistry inside your body but mentally, it's going to help you to really take good decisions while you're fighting or training. I agree. I agree with that one. All right. So do you want to talk about what pre-fight protocols you have been doing lately? Yeah, sure. Um, so uh, I will do my 15, 10 to 15 breath holds like uh, Patrick uh, recommended. Just like I might, I, I'll, I'll check in. Well, before I check in in the locker room, I'll do, uh, I mean, the whole fight week, even the whole camp, mm -hmm. I try not to uh, worry about the things I cannot control. And because if I start worrying, it puts me in a sympathetic uh, mode and it just, it's, it's weird because you'll be in a camp for seven weeks, you'll be in a great shape. And if you let something bother you, you'll show up to practice. Anything can guess. happen the last minute. I get it. <laughs> Trust me, I, I've i seen good fighters uh, because I get to travel with them, you know, when they get to fight. And I'm with them in the locker room. So we do pre-fight breeding protocols in order for them like to calm their mind. But I've seen great fighters in great shape with good levels of conditioning and strength. And they crumble mentally because, you know, they start to panic or being anxious or whatever it might be in their brains. Like two months of work are going to be just, you know, a waste. Boom. Exactly. Yeah. We have a saying in the, in, the, in, the, in the fight world, when the lights turn on, nobody's home. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And, and, and it's, listen, it happened to me too. I, I trained my ass off and I came. And I just, boop, boop, I was over it. I was like, what the hell? But I feel like as a coach, as a training partner, as someone that's there with the fighter, it's their responsibility to watch them and mm -hmm. see, oh, okay, he's, in, he's, he's focused. Like, it, it's yeah. a weird feeling when you, when you can see a certain fighter in the present moment, you just feel it. You're like, okay, he's going he's gonna to go and kill it. So, you can uh, notice that, you know, in the weigh-ins. Yeah, yeah, yeah. You can you tell know, that. Like, <laughs> you can tell that. Like the level of confidence and the focus that the fighter has. Or you can tell that eh, probably something is a little bit off. off. And yeah. I feel like when it's off, that's why we go back into breathing. Anytime, it doesn't have to be fight-related. Anytime something is off, I think we humans should just focus on breathing and just nice and light like i see my kids too crazy i lay them on the ground i put the books on their stomach okay. and I let them breathe slowly where the book goes up and down so i let them calm down but 
going back to the fight protocol. So before I check in into the locker room, I'll do my three to two minute cold shower. Mm-hmm. That's I great. Like, I really like the cold exposure. I, 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 I do it every morning and every night, like religiously, it's, it's like helping me. So, and just during a fight camp, I mean, during a fight week, I, again, I don't focus on things I cannot control. I'm mm-hmm. in there. My task is to make weight and to fight exactly. and to eat, hydrate, eat the food. And that's about it. And then the day, so let's say the day I'm, before I go in, I do my cold shower. I do uh, uh, breath work where I'm just doing a slow breathing just to get into the parasympathetic. But we don't, I don't want to get too much into parasympathetic because like we yeah. spoke about this, we don't, you don't want to walk in a cage and be so relaxed. So sleepy and, and relaxed. Sleepy, yeah. So in a locker room, I'll do my stretches. Uh, I'll bring uh, all my tools with me, like, like stuff like this. Yeah, uh, everything. everything, I'll bring it with me. And while I'm doing all this stuff, I'm actually doing my breath holds, but no one could tell. Like, I'm not just going yeah. to die. I'm just nice zone in the moment. And then the way I do it, because I wear a heart rate monitor and I know when I will max out. So once I do all my 15 breath holds, that's when I'll get into my warm up. And first five minutes, I'll keep my heart rate at 90. Next five minutes, I'll keep my heart rate at 120, 130. Next five minutes, 140, 150. And then the last last one-minute rounds, I'll hit 170, 175. So I'm sweating. I'm in a shape. And then right before I walk out, I'll do five very strong breath holds. Okay. Just the same way. Do my nose out in nose out and I just pinch my nose and I hold it right before I'm about to walk out. And, uh, you know, that's, it, it, it's a, it's a feeling that could only a fighter describe. And right before I walk in there, I, I could tell I'm very alert. Um, I mean, I know where Scott Coker sits. I know where Rich Charles sits. I'm very, very alert. And to You're me- You're very aware of your surroundings, right? Very, very aware. And that's another advice I have for fighters, upcoming fighters, young fighters, if you want to be very focused, let's say in the cage, do the breath work. But as soon as you walk in, in the cage, observe, like see what's going on. Who's around you? Where's your coach? Where's your mm-hmm. training partner? And that will make you be more focused also by you observing exactly. a lot of things. You'll be more focused. And it just, during the fight, again, look at the opponent's chest. That's what I do. I always aim at the, ch- I look at the chest. I'll push, I'll push, I'll push. And as soon as I see them upper chest breathing, it's a signal in my head. It's already registered. Yeah. That I'm gonna so that's kind of your you. tactical plan too, right? So that's kind of I'm the giving plan. everyone my plans. <laughs> yeah, for sure. That's great. I mean, that, that thing, it's, um, it's a good thing to have in mind before you step into the octagon, you know, because a lot of fighters come in without any mental plan. I mean, you probably might have everything under your belt, you know, the skills, the conditioning, everything. But if you don't have that state of mind where you're going to be prepared and focused and aware of your surroundings and everything, you might want, you might get lost in the fight, you know, and probably, 
panic or start or start doing things that they weren't on your plan. So I think that's a great advice. It's really helpful. And, and I've seen fighters, like, like you said, I've seen the fighter who, who do like breathing training and the one who doesn't. And I've seen a tremendous difference between those two in terms of focus and performance and everything. It, it, it seems like the people that do a lot of breathing, they're calmer than the ones don't do the breathing. It seems yeah. like the ones that breathe more, focus on breathing, they could, um, they're very smooth, but the ones that don't breathe, they're very like, like edgy, you know, it's just like the yeah. it, it irritates like crazy so to go. And, and it's like a thin line in between, you know, like going, you know, crazy without control and having that control and knowing that what you're going to do. Exactly. So, yeah. It's kind of like the same thing that you said between parasympathetic and sympathetic. You, you don't want to be that relaxed, but you don't want to be that hyper because it might, it might be like against you, you know, in terms of fighting. Yeah, Manny saying being a little nervous before the fight, it helps a lot. Yeah, yeah, yeah. A little. Yeah, yeah, right. yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah of course. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Not that nervous, but a little. Yeah, for sure. There's a balance that we have to create in terms of, you know, a little bit of nervousness. It's good because it, it can help you to be alert. And I, and I feel like if even after the first round, let's say you go back, you sit down, it's also important for your, like, I tell my corners, I said, hey, when, when I'm sitting down, because uh, I'm not going to be sitting down, listening to my coach, I'm looking at the opponent, but I let them do the work, watch them see if they're really bring really hard with their upper chest. Mm -hmm. And that's not a thing. But in between, like, as soon as the round is over, uh, there's a guy I've been talking to. His name is Chuck McGee. You probably know of, of him. You heard of him, Chuck McGee? No, I haven't. Chuck, he is a, a certified under Wim Hof. He's a oh, okay. degree certified. He's actually uh, becoming a master instructor for Oxygen Advantage. Oh, that's great. He's going to be part of the family? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> I, I, met him, I met him in Santa Monica. He's a, he's a pretty interesting individual. I, I like him a lot. And uh, he gave me this one advice that I want to share, which, which helped me too, is... Uh, after the round is over, he says, as soon as the round is over, just take two inhales through your nose. So, and you hold it for five seconds. Okay. And you walk, you walk to your chair, you sit down. As soon as you sit down, you continue breathing through your nose. And he All says, right. just that little, is gonna uh, create the, I forgot the words he used, <laughs> but it's gonna create a, uh air hunger so yeah. when you take that first air through your nose so a little bit it, of hypoxic stain yes yeah there right. you go use that word yeah you go yeah, yeah. <laughs> that, that's quite like i do kind of the same i do um a little bit of hyperventilation then we do breath holds and then we do bright light breathing so it's a combination of three things so it's kind of like the same thing that he said so it helps to create a little bit of hypoxic state, but also you're gonna start doing deep and light breathing. So it's gonna create that balance, you know, before the fight or, or during the fight. I like that. I really like that. Yeah, for sure. Um, 
So I think, does anybody have any questions? <laughs> I think most of the questions they wrote in Russian. <laughs> yeah, and I, I cannot understand. I'm sorry. Oh, no, it's okay. Yeah, guys, you, you do speak Russian. <laughs> I do. Okay. English. But if you want to answer in Russian, I'm good. <laughs> I don't know if I'm going to be able to translate all those fancy words in Russian. <laughs> okay. All right. I think, um, well, hello, Georgie. I don't know who's quirky underscore. Oh, being a little nervous. There's someone saying, Melissa, I want to train with you. Nervigo. Oh. Where are you located? So that way. <laughs> Shoot me a DM. DM. I'm working remotely with a lot of athletes. So, you know, like nowadays, everything is being remote. <laughs> but yeah, it's all through yeah, Zoom. Of course, I would love to. Is Armenian your first language or Russian? Armenian, right? Armenian, yeah. Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, of course. And then He's we have the Russian questions, I He's guess. He's asking me what time it is. Yeah. Uh, what time it is? Where? Where are you at? Yeah. Where do you train now? But after COVID, I've been. Uh, I train still in Melania. I have my own gym, uh, Original Grapple Training Center. And the COVID doesn't affect us. And you don't have to wear a mask to come inside the gym. <laughs> so yeah. we don't believe. I mean, it's combat sports. Of course, you're going to have contact. How do you how do you feel like uh, with this whole COVID thing? Uh, people wearing oh, I get so upset when I see people wear masks in their cars, and I know deep down inside that they they're not breathing properly, yeah. and they also put that on, and which is not doing anything. Not not they require two masks. H how do you look at that? <laughs> uh, let me answer just one question. Go, go. No, I'm not Armenian. I'm Colombian. I don't, amen, like <laughs> 73, 10, 8. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, so, well, I have my own opinion, you know, about this whole pandemic thing. And it's just my personal opinion. And uh, because I can, I know that it can be polarizing when you talk about this subject, you know, a lot of people has their own opinion and, you know, and beliefs in terms of that. But to be honest, I would love to see, you know, governments or authorities teaching, you know, teaching many things like how to really take care of your immune system. Like, is it really with a prescription? Is it really with, you know, with medicines or something? Or you really have to focus on your nutrition. So there's a lot of things that are not in, I believe they're wrong because they try to put a bandage on it. So if, you, yeah. if we want to be like healthy in, in a really well-rounded state, we have to take care of many things. You have to take care of your gut. You have to take care of like breeding patterns, like everything that you consume or you put on your skin, it affects your immune system. So yeah. we live in this toxic world, heavy toxic load work. And the air we breathe, the water that we drink, everything affects. So I would rather to really teach health first and really teach people how to take care of themselves before using like a mask 
or before, uh, you know, social distances, like don't talk to that, don't give a hug, those kind of things for me are the wrong, um, the wrong way to, to prevent. I, I like that. I like that. I, I feel like uh, they are focused too much on prescription drugs. Uh, they're not teaching the whole entire world uh, how to eat properly. Uh, yeah. People are so uh, addicted to fast foods, uh, McDonald's, uh, Taco Bell. Mm -hmm. I, I, I read a study about Taco Bell, how it just destroys. I mean, any fast food destroys, yeah. your, destroys your way of thinking. And I think this, is, this goes to all those young up-and-coming fighters. Listen, when I was getting ready for a fight, I was thinking about McDonald's. I was thinking about pizza. I was thinking about ice cream, cake. Yeah. But every time I was in a fight week, I really liked the feeling I would get. I was very sharp, like skinny. <laughs> I would fill my six packs. And I, <laughs> and I wanted to feel like that for the rest of my life. But what I did is, is, I, is I cut all those. Yeah, like, of course, those little because... Things out of those type of foods like uh you know junk food creates certain signals in your brain when they enter your your body so it's really important to focus on gut health because that sends like certain messages to your brain in order like the things that you're craving so if you're craving certain stuff whether that could be either parasites that could be mold that could be your gut lining, that it's telling you to eat those kind of things because those things are fed by sugar and those junk food. So it's really important to have in mind that you have to work on the root cause first. And sometimes it's not about like lack of commitment to a diet or to certain you know protocols, but sometimes it, it could be something inside your body that it's off. Probably you have many parasites from eating a lot of junk food or eating, you know, stuff in the street or the water that you drink, it's polluted. So you got to be careful on that. I, 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 I call that emotional eating. <laughs> <laughs> I feel like people are stuck home uh, with this COVID. They have nothing to do. So they're forced to eat. And uh, I highly recommend anyone to do fasting, get into the 16-8 or 18-6. means 16 hours, you don't eat nothing. Mm -hmm. and then eight mm -hmm. hours, you have the window. And then you could, I, I do at least once a week, 24-hour fast, which is really, really good for you. Yeah, intermittent and, uh, fasting. It's, it gets rid of all the BS out of your body. And, uh, and then all I've been sticking with is I, I really like the carnivore diet. I've been... Uh, I've been picking uh, Sean, Dr. Sean Baker's brain a lot, and uh, it's it's helping me a lot. And uh, I, I I wish the whole world could be healthy, but it's impossible. It's not gonna happen. Yeah, it's hard. It's hard. This big corporations and everything. It's really hard to to make that a hundred percent. But of course, it's as professionals, we have this goal to educate and to help people as best as we can. And uh, from what I heard from Dave Asprey's podcast, there's only 8% of us that's trying to help the whole world to become healthy. So we'll do our job. I think we could just tell everyone about the oxygen advantage, about the brain and stuff. So we'll help yeah. them as much as possible. Of course. Okay. All right. I think we covered everything <laughs> and yes, a little yes. bit more.
Yeah, yeah, we did, Melissa. Thank you for... No, uh, thank you for having me. For talking all the terms, using all those smart words. I think it was awesome. You know a lot. And uh, yeah, I think if anyone has a question, you should direct message Melissa. Yeah, um, or even uh, you. I mean... Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Well, any question, you can message me. Sure. And then I wanted to talk to you about... Uh, I got an email from Pomona University. They have okay. Tennis, they have a tennis team. Uh, oh, I used to play tennis like for a long time. I, I used to compete. Oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah, a oh, long time perfect. ago. So the coach contacted me. He has 300 students what? that want to uh, do Zoom meeting. Mm -hmm. And there'll be about 60 students per, per class. Wow. And um, I originally thought they want to do it in person, but they said, no, we want to do it through the Zoom. If you, it's something you're interested in, yeah, sure. Together, and I think it'll be it'll be cool. We'll love to do that. We can team up and just work on that. I think it's gonna be great. I mean, the yep. more that we spread the knowledge, the better. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. All right. Well, thank, thank you, you for having me. Thank you for all the Armenians, Russians. Sorry <laughs> that I couldn't understand. <laughs> no, there's the, all, all, all the all their comments was. She needs to go to Russia. She needs to teach the class in Russia. She needs to come to Russia. All right. So that there was not a bad comment in it? No, 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 no. No bad comment. Don't worry. All right. Thank you so much. I appreciate it. And if you guys have any further questions, please let me know. Thank you so much, Georgie, for having me. Thank you, Melissa. It was All awesome right. talking Stay to you. All right. Stay safe. Bye. Bye.